We're going to have a great night tonight, and I, I pray that you are here because God called you to be here. And hopefully that our hearts are ready to hear His Word. Thank you, ushers, for receiving the tithes and offerings, and thank you for your, your hearts to continue to give to the Lord. You know, sometimes we forget that our, our gifts to God uh, goes towards impacting the lives of people. And everything we do here is done with a purpose, and that's the end result is that people find Jesus Christ. That's, that's our, our whole heart. Now, you might be at a place in your life and you're thinking, but I've known Christ for like 15 years, so what's the purpose for me being here? Well, if you've had experience as a mechanic for 15 years, as an artist for 15 years, uh, some, like a, a computer programmer for 15 years, a musician for 15 years, then you can actually teach others that skill. So as a Christian, if you've been a Christian that long, your responsibility is to reach out to other people so they too come to find Jesus Christ. It's not up to the pastor. Did you know that the pastor's responsibility is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry? That's the pastor's responsibility. But it's still part of the heart of Christ to reach out to people. So it's not like pastors say, I'm not going to talk to people about Jesus it's the church's responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities. We want to reach out to people. Don't ever forget where you and I came from. The moment we stop reaching out to people, the moment we start uh, developing a critical heart, a critical spirit, that's the moment we've forgotten the day of our salvation. And the Bible says, forget not the day of your salvation. So always remember where we came from. Well, you can open your Bibles to the book of Romans. And uh, tonight we're going to discuss a couple things that will help us in this transition that we're going through in our nation. And God is God, right? He is God. He's always on the throne. But we're going to look at this transition that we're going through. And, and thank you for all those who participated on Tuesday, uh, yesterday, that you voted. You, you said what you needed to say. You voiced your opinion. And we live in a country that allows us to do that. You got to remember that. That's how our country is designed. That's how our forefathers put together our great nation. It's that the people would have a voice. Now, I know what you might be saying. You might be saying, yeah, but no matter what I try to do, it's always going to be messed up. That's not true. What makes a great nation a great nation is the people that live in that great nation. Yes, we need leadership. But if the people's hearts aren't good, it doesn't matter how great the leader is. The people's hearts is what going to is what going to determine what how great of a nation that nation will be, and so we're in this transition right now. Uh, yet the same president, you might have voted for our president right now. You may have voted for Mitt Romney, but tonight is not about who you voted for, because some of you are saying yeah, some of you are saying oh man. So there's going to be two different camps. Just like Joshua in the book of Joshua, chapter 5, he stood before the angel of the Lord, and I think it's chapter 5, chapter 6, and he stood before the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the, of the Lord said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? In fact, you can turn there. Joshua chapter 6, I believe. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Okay. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. So watch, watch what happens at this point. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. 
It says, And it came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, this is a city that they were going to take over now, that he lifted his eyes, and behold, a man, it should be capitalized, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. Are you for Barack Obama or are you for Mitt Romney? No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You know what I find about this story that is very interesting and very practical for us? Is that when we come before the Lord, and when there's a a, a leadership shift, and in this case, it's the same leader, sometimes we can say, well, I'm for or against but you still live in the nation in which this person is the president. You can say either way, and you're entitled to your own opinion, but I want to present to you tonight God's governing authorities. That if you were to ask God, God, who are you for? Were you for Mitt Romney or were you for Barack Obama? You know what his answer would be? No. So you weren't for our president? That's not the answer he's giving. You know what the Lord is saying? I'm for neither. And this is, this, is how, this is how it can be done. You have one camp here, one camp here. And you're saying, okay, is it, is it this person or is it this person? And the Lord says, no. The reason why God can say that is because He's above both of them anyway. So... When Joshua understood this, then Joshua said, Okay, got it? I got it. And Joshua's heart was this. I'm not going to let this and this determine this. And he fell before the Lord and he worshipped God. And the reason why he did that is because our hearts can be swayed from one person to the next. From one decision to the next. Our hearts can be swayed. And Joshua caught it. He said, There's, it's not about who's going to be for or against. He says, it really has to do with, are you still my God? Is my heart still placing you on the highest place? Are you still on the throne? And of course, he is. When we were younger, and some of you might have grown up like this, or if your children are at this age, that there were times where your parents had to go, they went shopping or they had to do something, and then they left someone in charge of the household. And usually it was the older person, yet sometimes the older person is not the responsible one. So they'll choose the next one who's responsible. And that person will make sure that everybody does what they're supposed to do, make sure they do their chores, make sure they don't, you know, uh, burn the house down. That was usually my mom. Make sure he doesn't burn the house down. Uh, That was usually, the the person in charge was usually the person who could keep things in order. And when my mom would leave, she would tell my oldest brother that he's in charge. But then he would leave and go with his friends because he was six years older than us. 
So as, you know, seven-year-olds, he would say, okay, I'm going to play outside. April's in charge, which was the second oldest. And she was one year older than me. And I was thinking, what kind of rank is that? That's only a year older. (laughs) But she was a year older, but she let me get away with a lot of things. Like she was the coolest overseer in mom's absence. And so I could get away with things that I normally wouldn't get away with because she was in charge. Now, as time went on, And as we went through uh, mistake after mistake, and my mom would come home, and I would burn something, or I would break something, or I did something I wasn't supposed to do, then my mom would bring correction. But very rarely would she scold me. She would usually go to my brother first, because he was in charge. Then he would go to my sister, because she should know better, right? That's what we say. You're older, you should know better. In that case, I'm thinking, yeah, you are older. One year, but I, I, would, I take advantage of that one year at that time. And she was older. She should have known better. And by the time it got to me, it wasn't that much of a scolding. It was more of a discipline or a correction that don't you do that again. Now, in the same way, that's what happens when God puts in authority leadership. That God is still the parent. He's still, he's still in authority. But he puts different authorities in place so that they can govern the people. It's not our responsibility to make these decisions. It's our responsibility to keep the heart of the parent. When I knew my mom's heart, then I knew I wasn't supposed to climb on top of the counters. I knew I'm not supposed to do that. I knew I wasn't supposed to sneak into her cabinet and take her cigarettes and smoke them. I knew that wasn't good to do. I knew that. That's because I knew my mom's heart. When you know the heart of God, you understand the governing authorities. God puts authorities in place. And He's the one that orchestrates all of these things and we don't see the bigger picture. Now, whatever side you voted on, has more to do with where your heart is towards God's governing authorities more than who is in authority. In the book of Romans, you can turn there, Romans chapter 13. And I'll read from verses 1 through 6. Some of you will uh, you'll feel a little sting in your heart on this one, which is always good because the Word of God pierces our heart. That's what, that's what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12. So, Romans chapter 13, it's in the New Testament. It says, every, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of the authority? Or do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath to him on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, 
but also for conscience' sake. Verse 6, For because of this, you also pay taxes. We don't like that part, but we do pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due taxes. To taxes whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. I want to read to you from the the same uh, scriptures, but from the New Living Translation. And it says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against this authority, uh, or rebels against authority, is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. For they are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too. For these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Now you may agree with this scripture, you may not. But it's God's word. And I believe we want to be people who obey God's word. And we squirm at this scripture because we disagree with it. And we think it's better our way. But listen very carefully. Whose way is better? Your way or God's way? Absolutely God's way. But for some reason, inside we're saying, yeah, but I, I don't agree with what's going on in the authority, so I'm going to skip on this one. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And it's, it's not that we're doing this. We're, we're, we're bypassing the authorities and, and disobeying the Lord. It goes back to God's governing authorities. Yeah, but what if, what if they're doing what it... It, it says not to do in the Bible. What if what they're doing is against what the Bible says? What if they are making this, they're making decisions that, that contradict the Word of God? What if there's leadership that contradicts what God is saying and what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to learn? How, how do I deal with that? Titus 3.1, you can turn there. It continues to talk about the authorities that are governing us. And in Titus 3.1... It says this, remind the believers, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officials. And then it says this, they should be obedient, always ready to do good. Always ready to do good. Here's my question. I, wanna, I want you to really kind of... Uh, Grab at this question, kind of let it sink into your hearts. Are you always ready to do good? Or are you always on your your toes for evil? That the first thing that comes to you that is not good, that your automatic reaction is evil. That when someone gives you a cutting remark, your automatic reaction is to cut them back. When someone starts to gossip, your automatic reaction is to gossip again. When someone says something uh, putting down or putting down someone else, that you jump into the conversation. What, what are you ready to do? 
What's your ammunition? Is your ammunition ready to fire that which is good, or is it ready to fire that which is not good? And the Bible is saying, be obedient. Always be ready for doing good. Jesus was always ready to do what is good. Every single time, every opportunity. That's why when you read the scriptures and something wasn't going well, Jesus was always moved with compassion or he made the decision to do something that glorified God because good was on the forefront of his heart. Even though Jesus was under the Roman oppression, even though he was in a place that, that the, the governing officials weren't doing what they were supposed to, they were skimming taxes from people. They were robbing people. They, they used their authority over people. But Jesus said, I understand the Father's heart. And they're accountable for their actions. Jesus bypassed even the authorities, not to be unsubmissive, but to submit to God's governing authorities. Even Jesus paid taxes. Remember he told Peter, he said, Peter, go catch that fish. And in the fish, there's going to be two coins. Use that to pay the tax. Jesus found a way to pay taxes legally. Might I say that again? Legally. He did. He caught a fish. There was coins in there. And that's what he used. Now, just because the government will say, here's the laws that we're passing. And it contradicts the Bible doesn't mean you have to follow it. As we were talking about on Sunday and as we looked at the, the direction of our country and, and uh, just the different views that our two candidates had, just because the government says that abortion is legal doesn't mean it's good for you. And it doesn't mean that you need to be involved with that kind of decision. Just because the government says it's legal for same-sex marriage doesn't mean it's good for you. Doesn't give you the clearance to involve yourself sexually with the same sex just because the government said that. Again, go back to what God is saying. That's where the blessing is. Just because the government says to practice Planned Parenthood as a teenager doesn't mean premarital sex is good for you. And because you're practicing safe sex, that's okay. It's still not pleasing to God. Now, in the events surrounding the early church, recorded in the book of Acts, we find that when the disciples were doing the works of Jesus Christ, that it was the high priests who had a problem with Him. It was the governing officials, the council officials, that told the disciples that they were not to preach in the name of Jesus. And to discontinue the works of Christ. And they were the ones who were offended at Jesus. It was the governing officials. And they were the ones saying, wait a minute, this guy is doing something that's not according to our laws. Even the Jews said, this guy is not, he's, he's against what we practice. He's, he's mocking God or he's blaspheming God. He's going against the ways of God. He's not abiding by the laws of God. And here's, here's what the response of the disciples were. And if you want to turn there, it's in Acts 5.29. That this is the early church. They struggled with the same things you and I struggle with today when it comes to authority. And regardless of, of who you, who you uh, support in, in the government, 
you're still going to have to make some tough decisions. And it says this in Acts 5.29. This is the response. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. What they weren't saying is, we can break the law. What they weren't saying is, well, I can just do whatever I want because I'm submissive to God. See, there's two hearts that you and I will have. One heart that says, I can do whatever I want because God is the only judge. The other heart would be, I will do my very best to follow God because He is the only judge. Same answer, but different heart. May we have the heart that doesn't use God being the only judge as a way to sin, but that we use it as a way to please God and say to God, because you're the only judge, I want to do what is good. Then I will always be ready to do what is good. That's God's governing authority. And He puts authorities in place to keep things in order. When the, when the government goes against God's Word, we still obey God. We still obey Him. There's going to be decisions that our government will make, and it'll be with the Word of God, and sometimes it'll be against the Word of God. Our nation was founded on the freedom to worship. That's what our nation was founded on. That you would be free from the oppression of a king who would say, this is who you need to worship. Now, there's good and bad to that. The good is we're free to worship. That's what we do. We can worship our God freely. At the same time, there's other religions that can worship their, small g, non-existent God. Because there is only one God. Now, a lot of them would say, but they all lead to God. That's why it's so important to understand why Jesus came. He said, I am the only way to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If any other uh, religion says, no, we can get to God without Jesus Christ, that's impossible. But, as the Bible says, those who acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, they understand the way to God. They understand the way to salvation. See, we can look at it as, why didn't God just say, everybody comes to Him? Because this would happen. Man would make up his own laws. Man would make up their own uh, way of spirituality. Man would make up our own way to say, no, but I think this is the way to God. I think if, if, uh, if, if what you own, I can take from you, I believe God said I can. Uh, you own that car, uh, but I need it. So I believe my God, in, in my God's laws, says that I can have your car because you have more than me. So I'm going to take your car because my God said you can. Without Jesus Christ, that's what we turn into. That's why we need Jesus Christ. He's the mediator. That's what the Bible calls Him. He's the mediator between God and man because man's heart is corrupt. So we need Jesus Christ to be that central figure, the way back to God. And when we get to God through Jesus Christ, then there's a heart that God looks for. Otherwise, we make up our own. But because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we follow His way, then we follow God's way. 
And it's a blessing. Now, our, our, our laws of the land are put into place for order, and we understand that. We also understand that when we have a president who has to make laws to please as much people as possible or the majority, that's also a very difficult decision to make. Regardless who you voted for, our responsibility, and you can write this in your notes if you're taking notes, to pray. You always pray for your leadership. Always pray for our president, our government, the mayor of our city, our senators, our governor. You may not agree, or you may have voted for them, Whatever way you went, again, God is in authority, so you pray for them. You pray for their families. Easy for us to say, oh, but, you know, they only do this, this, and this. God put people in authority, and it's a very difficult place to be in. But we pray for them. We ask for God's wisdom. Now, you and I are not responsible for the decisions that they make. They're accountable. But we're accountable to obey God's Word. And that's to submit to our given authorities. When the high priests were telling the disciples not to do the things that Jesus asked them to do and not to do the works of Christ and not to go around preaching the Word of God, it was the high priest's responsibility to actually be the ones to do that. The high priests were set in place as God's authority to do the works of God. But what happened is, over time, from when the, the, when the priests were put into place, and God started to bring in the priestly practice, after time, and this is in the days of Jesus, they slowly strayed from God. And every, every transition they went through, and if you read through the Old Testament, that's why it's so important to do our devotions and read through the Word of God, because you got to understand where the priesthood came from and then where it ended up when it came to Jesus. By the time they came to Jesus' days, they were so far from the heart of God that they couldn't even see the Son of God. That they were so far and their heart shifted. Your heart and my heart can shift from the day of salvation. And by the time Jesus begins to speak things, we have a difficult time. If you read throughout the Old Testament, there are certain things that took place even in their families that pushed them further from God. Anger can do that. Bitterness can do that. And it pushes us from God. In Leviticus 21.6, this is what the high priest role was. And Leviticus is in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Third book of the Bible. And if you read the book of Leviticus, there's some tough stuff in there. But that's when God was bringing in the things to do and not to do and some law. Leviticus 21.6. And this is the priestly role. It says, They must be set apart as holy to their God and must never bring shame on the name of God. They must be holy, for they are the ones who present the special gifts to the Lord, gifts of food for their God. The priest's responsibility was to be set apart for God, sanctified for God, holy for God. It was being set apart for God to do the works of God. By the time they came to the days of Jesus, they'd forgotten their mission, and they only did the laws of God. But they missed the heart of God. And we can run into that same situation to just do the, the, the things of God, but miss the heart of God. 
The priests were not using their position for the work of the Lord. They were using it for their own purpose. And sometimes we're no different. When I knew the heart of my mom, I I really didn't need to... I, I really didn't struggle with my sister or brother being in charge. Because... My, the heart of my mom would, and I could hear her voice, did you do your homework? Did you clean your room? I could hear her heart. And when I, when I knew the heart of my mom, it wasn't that difficult when my brother or my sister was in charge. When you know the heart of God, when you hear the heart of God, then it won't be that difficult to hear His heart in this great nation that we get to live in. But we've got to stay close to the Lord. As Christians, the main thing is that you obeyed what the Lord says in choosing. You voted. Now, as our President Barack Obama leads our great country, the Bible says that the authority He's given to us is to build up and not tear down. Did you know that you and I have the same kind of authority that God gave to the priests? Now, don't get all high makamaka and say, hey, I want priests. He gave us the same spirit as the priest. And this is how he puts it in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 through 28. And he's talking about this authority. And Jesus says, you know, but among you, it, it will be different. Matthew 20, verse 26. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. See, in, the, in those days where, when Jesus was there and when He died and was resurrected, and then you have the... the early church being birthed, and you have these apostles, those who were planting churches, uh, the disciples also, when they started to do what God called them to do, and they had a difficult time with the laws of the land, Paul had to bring some correction. Because as time was going on, they were saying, okay, how are we supposed to do this when we have a difficult time with the governing authorities? And in 2 Corinthians 13.10, Paul says this, and he's speaking to the church in Corinth. And we've got to remember, at that time, the, the world, even though we live in a so-called different world, still had laws. They still had their uh, governing officials. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13.10, I am writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come. And then he says this, For I want to use the authority God has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. The authority that God has given to you and I is the same authority that Paul is talking about. That he gives us this authority so that we can strengthen one another, not tear down one another. It's to strengthen our leaders, not to tear them down. It's to uplift them, not to tear them down. And the authority that God has given to you and I is very valuable. Use it for good. Always be ready for good. 
And as we support our president, our governing officials, in the direction that the Lord is going to take us, it's still the church that he calls to shine as lights, not our government. And as great as a country we live in, our country is great because of the resolve of our people. And it's you and I who will do our very best to always be ready to do what is good. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this scripture, and and we're going to sing a song at the end. It's called Majesty. And what this song talks about is that we have a king who is above everything else. That we worship this God who is exalted above every other authority. And as we submit to our governing authorities, really what we're saying is, Lord, we're submitting to you. That's where we're submitting, and that's our heart. I'm going to leave you at Isaiah 9, verse 6. And it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yes, it is very important who is president over the United States of America. It is very important. But what's more important than who's president over the United States of America is who's king over you and I. That's much more important. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Lord, as we come before you and as we worship you, as we pray to you, our heart is to submit to the governing authorities that you've given to us. And Lord, whichever direction we went, our heart is always to put you at the highest place. Lord, we do pray for our president that in these next four years that we will lift him up, that we will do our part as believers to not tear down, but to lift up. And sure, we'll have our opinions and, and sometimes we'll be for and sometimes we'll be against, but really it comes back down to they're responsible to hear your voice. So we pray for wisdom for our president, your protection over him and Michelle and their family, the White House, and all those in, in, in his administration. Lord, we also pray for our state and those whom you have put in authorities in our state. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to live in a a great country as we do. We thank you that we get to live in a great state as we live in. And for many of us, we live here in Hilo. And so, Lord, we also pray for our mayor, Billy Kanoi, that you would give him wisdom, the kind of wisdom that comes from you, and a wisdom that is above and beyond his years. And pray your protection over his family and his administration. Lord, we're so grateful that you are king of all. For you are majestic and we worship you. 
as being our God. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, Amen.